Each of us has an internal alarm clock called the circadian cycle. This clock-like biochemical mechanism relies on light, hormones, and energy input and output to function 24 hours a day. What we don't realize is that the regulation of this circadian rhythm not only determines our sleep quality and quantity, but also significantly influences our hormone production, our blood sugar regulation, our brain and joint recovery and repair, our ability to burn fat and build muscle, our ability to manage hunger and cravings, mood, cognitive function, immune system health, and the list goes on and on and on. In a world of quick fix, magic bullet mentality, if there truly was a secret to how to live a longer, more energetic and leaner life, it would be to optimize our sleep. Today we dig into the core pillars of building an effective sleep routine with my friend and sleep expert, Nick Reel. In this episode, we're going to discuss how much sleep do we need on a daily basis and four factors to consider when assessing the quality of sleep that we're getting. We'll talk about sleep consistency and how to take back control of your schedule so that you can start to shift your sleep habits in your favor. We'll talk about the morning and the evening recharge routines, which are two fundamental times to set the stage for a perfect night's sleep by implementing a few specific behaviors that will help you immediately improve your sleep and how and what we can eat can greatly impact our sleep quality. While we all know sleep is an important factor for health, I can confidently say that if more people truly prioritized their sleep by implementing even just a few of the tools that Nick and I discuss in this episode, we would be a much healthier population. So without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Today, we are catching up with my buddy Nick Reel on all things sleep and health and weight loss, fat loss, and all of the implications of sleep, which may or may not be hindering our progress. Nick, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much, Ben, for having me. This has been uh, long awaited, and I'm super happy to be here. Definitely long overdue and super excited to have you in here. Uh, so tell me, Nick, um, you are an expert on sleep, and you've got a book out uh, tell us what the, tell us a little bit of information about you, what your book's called and so on. So the book I have out is called Sleep Secrets. And inside, I reveal the seven best kept secrets for quality sleep, getting sleep all the way through the night, waking up feeling like a billion bucks. It is an absolute game changer. And unlike a lot of books on sleep, it's one under 40 pages. Amazing. Two. It's super easy to read. And number three, there are seven action steps at the end that, when combined, will dramatically improve your sleep. And let me ask, are these, quote unquote, secrets something that you'd be willing to share with some of our listeners on the show today? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. So tell us, let's just take a step back. So what is it that has given you the opportunity, uh, allowed you and afforded you the expertise in sleep at this point in your career? So I fell into this coincidentally, like five years ago, if you would have said like, oh, hey, man, you, you're going to be like this well-known guy for like sleep. I'm like, oh, no, probably not. Right. But so my background is I've been a health and nutrition fitness coach for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And my main demographic of people that I work with is general pop specifically on the very sedentary okay. side. Inherently, a lot of my clients that I've worked with over the years, they are flight attendants, pilots, shift workers, industrial workers. So 
yeah. all of these different types of jobs that really, this for the lack of a better term, just like absolutely will fuck up your sleep. Absolutely. So these people are coming to me like, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds. I need help controlling my type 2 diabetes. Can you help me like not hate myself when I'm trying to like have sex with my wife? So, okay, <laughs> cool. Like these, these are the real things. And the one thing that I notice with every single one of them, their sleep quality is absolutely poor. And based off of my education, I have a four-year degree in comprehensive kinesiology and biomechanics. There was a, there was a good amount of that that t- touched on energy systems and how sleep really impacts those. And I'm like, okay, well, you're not going to get to your goals until you get this like one thing right, which is sleep. Yeah. I like to call it like health 101. This is a prerequisite to every single thing that you want. And if it's not addressed, that foundation is going to be built on sand. It's going to be weak. And when stress comes around and your body can't handle it, it's not going to be able to weather that storm and you'll end up right back where you are, if not worse. Yeah. So fast forward to about a year ago, I made the switch to go online and my business coach and I made the decision, we're going to go on sleep 100%. And here I am today helping people wake up, feel like a million bucks and not let poor sleep dictate every single part of their lives. What do you think it is about... I mean, obviously, when we we all understand the importance of sleep, right? Like theoretically, we all understand. Okay, yeah, we're like we need to get you know seven to nine hours of sleep. It's super important for recovery, repair, regeneration, so on and so forth. Why do you think it's so terribly difficult for people to actually commit to a somewhat regimented sleep routine? I'd say. Ultimately, it would be their preconceived notions and beliefs about themselves and about their situation with where they're in. You know, a lot of the people that I've worked with, they've, quote, like lived with poor sleep for so long. So they mm-hmm. inherently like believe, well, that's just how it is. And like between you and me and everybody who's listening, uh, that is one of like my most like hated sayings. Oh, it is what it is. Only if you say it is. So let's dissect that just a little bit, because I I think I understand what you're saying. What I'm hearing is that, you know, when we work with clients, they're like, you know, I just, I I only get five to six hours a night of sleep, but you know, that's what I function well on. Right. I, I feel good enough. Like I have good energy and that's just what it is. Right. And what I'm hearing you say is no, that's bullshit. And what else? You can change it at any given moment. The challenge part is when you're looking at pretty much, I mean, fixing your sleep, losing weight, you have to look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm the one who put myself here. And not everybody likes to do that. I can't say it's the most fun thing to do. And by the way, everybody who's listening, uh, Ben and I, we have to do this like literally like every like five minutes. So we totally understand like the frustration, the pain, the discomfort. Oh, I don't really want to look at that. It's hard. But once you do it, you take back control over your lives. And that would be like the second like big preconceived belief that I encounter with the people that I work with is they don't have control over any aspect of their life. Life's just taking them for a hayride. And you and I both know that's bullshit. You're in control. Does life take us for a ride sometimes? Absolutely. And if you ever feel like that, all you got to do is just look up and take back the rates. So you're saying taking ownership over our actions. Absolutely. Right? And just acknowledging like, hey, I actually am in control, despite the fact that I think that my family gets in the way, my job gets in the way, my responsibilities get in the way. Uh, I just am not a good sleeper. I just wake up too frequently. Oh no, I have to get up too early, so on and so forth. You're saying is no, that's a bunch of BS. The end of the day, it can be exactly what you want it to be. You just have to take control and own it. Absolutely. Extreme ownership. So within that extreme ownership, which is one of my kind of probably favorite values or most important values, right? Next to freedom, but within taking control, help us understand this sort of uh, quantifiably how much sleep we should be getting, 
I think that, you know, the conventional wisdom is like eight hours, right? And so is it legitimately that we need eight hours of sleep? Is everyone the same? And are there actually outliers that you've observed or that perhaps the literature suggests that can legitimately get by on five or six hours of sleep? So this plays into genetics, your environment, your lifestyle, your state of health. So let's just go on the notion that your state of health is great. You have a healthy lifestyle. Your environment is pr productive and constructive. It's not negative, whatnot. Let's say you're in a really good spot. Seven to nine hours of sleep is the average of a meta-analysis that was conducted quite, quite, quite a long time ago of thousands of people. And those who had the highest quality of sleep, they were sleeping about seven to nine hours. So that's the benchmark time zone for quality sleep. Now that said, there are some outliers. I'll raise my hand because I am one of them. I don't need seven to nine hours of sleep every single night. Mm -hmm. On average, I sleep about six and a half and I wake up feeling like a billion bucks. I don't have any issues falling asleep, staying asleep, waking up feeling like I didn't get any sleep or have any type of energy management issues during my day. And those four components are the dictators of sleep quality, which is where my specialty is. So how would you figure out your own time? This is a common question that I'm asked. And here's how I answer it. If you're able to fall asleep within about 20 minute window, mm. you're able to stay asleep all night. You're not waking up constantly to go to the bathroom or just waking up you wake up feeling truly refreshed and you don't have a problem maintaining high levels of energy during your day your sleep quality is very high and the amount of time that you stay asleep is your amount of time that you need it more than likely will fall into the seven to nine hours but if it's six and a half don't worry about it or if you're on the other side of that, like my sister, well, she needs 10, mm -hmm. don't worry about it as well. As long as you're getting quality sleep, how long you sleep doesn't matter as much. Right, right, right. So, okay, so the total time doesn't matter, necessarily matter as much, but what does matter is sort of this individualized perspective of, okay, do I fall asleep easily? So get in bed, wind down, easily to fall asleep. Do I stay asleep or am, am I getting up, waking up frequently, tossing and turning, getting up to use the restroom, so on and so forth. When I wake up, do I wake up feeling refreshed, you know, pop out of bed, or do I have to hit the snooze button, you know, nine, 19 times, right? And then do I have good energy throughout the day? Uh, I think those are really good kind of both objective and subjective parameters for people to assess whether they're getting good quality sleep, irrespective of the total time. And, and what I've observed is all of the above as well. Obviously, working with you know thousands of clients over the years here is I see everything from you know five hours, which I definitely will challenge to nine hours consistently. But if they're getting, if they're making good progress, if they feel energized, if they if they have a good sleep routine in place and they feel good, it's hard to argue with that. I know for me personally, I'm about the same as you. I'm like six and a half hour guy, but I will often power nap for like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Uh, multiple times per week, either late morning or very early afternoon, just like a, and sometimes it's just like a lay down and just get horizontal and kind of decompress the spine and kind of refresh for a moment. And then I'm usually good to go. And I don't know, we did have some questions about napping. Uh, where, where are we at in terms of sort of the scientific consensus around napping sleep? Does it negatively impact things? What do you got so there? So there's literature that suggests both. I don't you love science when it says yes well, and no at the same time. And it's a lot like of it does that. And it does seem like, you know, it's so interesting, man, because it's the same thing with nutrition. It's just with respect to human health, we're just like uh, on the uh, forefront of of what human potential is possible and what we really know about human health and human physiology and biochemistry and all this stuff. And so certainly with sleep studies, like 
we don't really know like the the ultimate mechanisms of sleep and how profound it goes in terms of you know brain chemistry and, and healing and recovery and hormonal control and everything like that. And it's certainly the same in terms of like elements of nutrition research. So yeah, please with we'll use the research as saying it matters, but again, it is so individualized, right? It is. It is. So my preference with naps, and I do get this question every single time I do a live interview, like, what's your position on naps? Yeah. If they help you, good. Don't change it. <laughs> yeah, totally. If they end up keeping you up past your preferred bedtime or the time you need to be asleep, or it interferes with your overall sleep quality, they're not going to be helpful. Where a lot of people fall, I'll put that in quotes, fall victim to naps is that as the research suggests now, 10 to 30 minutes is enough time to replenish your energy levels without your body triggering all the sleep stages. And there are some mechanisms that will drive that. Like your state of health, Ben, you're a super healthy guy. You're also very consistent with mm -hmm. Your lifestyle, that's that's huge, guys. If your body is consistently predicting, let's say, your 10 to 15 minute power nap, it's going to align all of its systems to expect that, just like meal timing. Just like meal timing. If there's no consistency, there's no ground point for it to gauge anything off of. And with a lot of the nappers that I encounter and I help, there is no consistency with their naps. It might be 30 minutes. It might end up to be two hours. Mm -hmm. If you find that you're needing more than a 30 minute power nap, if you're a napper, I'm going to challenge you to look at your sleep quality because if your sleep drive or your sleep intensity meter, as I call it inside of my program is high enough, your body will trigger yourself to go into those different sleep cycles so that it can truly go in and do the repair and recovery work deeply that mm -hmm. it's not getting. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so let's talk about sleep consistency and tangibly what it is that people can be doing from waking up routine to a bedtime routine that sets the stage for optimal sleep, because I love that you brought up the consistency in every element of health and fitness and wellness. We talk about consistency, the importance of consistency, the importance of structure. And I think that when you allude to, it's like, look, man, if you want to get better, if you want to get leaner, if you want to reverse type two diabetes, if you want to just feel good and even your relationship with your family and your significant other is you have to take control. And, you know, part of taking control is acknowledging the things that you're currently doing that are not serving you. And so for many people, it's, you know, I have a good sleep routine, at least during the week. And then on the weekend, I stay up two or three hours later, I sleep later, I eat and drink way more, and then I'm playing catch up all week long and so on and so forth. So let's talk kind of optimal sleep consistency as far as what you've observed, how you work with your clients that our listeners can take away and, and plug in right away. Yeah, consistency is huge. It's one of the core pillars of high quality health, high quality lifestyle. If you want any type of result in your life, you're going to have to be consistent with the actions. And then once you're consistent, after time, you will get the reward. Same thing goes with sleep. Our brains are wired for consistency. There's a reason why you do what you do to a predictable level. For example, Ben, are you a coffee drinker by any chance? Absolutely. All right. So you're pretty. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So every morning I can safely predict that you're going to have at least one cup of coffee, correct? Unequivocally. Okay. Now this habit clearly serves you. Here's the science behind this. And this is important for you guys to take away because this goes into the world of habits. 
And I know that's everybody's least favorite topic. I don't want to change my habits. You know, people have so much resistance to it because they don't know how it works. So, Ben, how do you like your coffee? Black. Okay. I was not clear on what I said. I wanted to know if it was hot or cold. Right oh. there, guys, is the brain's inference pattern. That's how it works. It takes a set of stimuli, such as, Ben, how do you like your coffee? It goes through its memory banks and pulls out all the files where Ben has been asked, how do you like your coffee? Okay, black, 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 black. Well, the answer must be black because it's the most frequently recurring answer. I'm going to predict that this is the answer. That's how habits work. All of our routines are built based off of your brain trying to predict the future. Nothing more than that. The only time your brain will change its decision-making process is if it repeatedly encounters a small error, such as the one I gave Ben, hot or cold. Now he's going to keep that in his mm -hmm. data bank. And well, if he's asked that over and over and over again, he will take that into his decision-making process. Instead of saying black, he'll say hot or ice, but black or something to that nature, or you get a massive error that completely just shatters your existing reality. So that said, this, this is how your brain works. This is how habits work. Now that you know how they work, you now have the power to inherently change whatever you don't like that you're consistently doing. And there's the key word, consistently. If you have a routine or a way of life, let's say your sleep is poor because you constantly turn on the TV at night. This used to be me. The reason why you can't seem to stop doing it is because your brain is predicting that future because you've consistently done it. The way to change that, in my experience, I'm not a fan of nuclear options with this. The body doesn't usually respond to extremes really well. Right. Start changing something small and do it repeatedly day after day. And over time, about 30, 60 days, you'll notice that your routines have changed. For example? For example, I will use me. I was a chronic fall asleep with the TV on and leave it on all night, wake up, feel like hell. Mm -hmm. Did that for two years, nearly destroyed every aspect of my life. When I started to reassert control over my life and my sleep, I didn't turn off the TV. And I don't recommend anyone turn off the TV. I started by setting a hard cutoff time for my day. At 8 p.m., I was done. This is now my time to relax and do what I want to do. It was hard at first because I wasn't used to doing that. I would work all the way up until I had to go to bed and I turn on the TV for my relaxation time mm -hmm. and try to go to sleep. I did that for years. Now, once it hits 8 p.m., I automatically start falling asleep because my brain is now predicting that that is what's going to happen. Right. Okay, so that, that makes sense to me. And I, I want to walk through a couple scenarios because... I think that a lot of people get in the habit of doing things. So, okay, let's, let's take an example of a busy mom or dad and they get the kids to bed, you know, dinner, bath, bed, and then it's like their time. Right. And then it's, you know, watch a show together, perhaps snack and in, invariably ending up staying up too late, overly stimulated, trying to shut it down later. And so what are some ways that you would help them start to plug in the habit change routine? Because what I heard you say is you don't want to automatically cut it off saying, okay, all of a sudden it's nope, we're in bed by 9 p.m., lights out. And so what's the potential problem with that? And what would you do instead? The potential problem with going that road is the same of like trying to do a crash diet. Right. Yeah, you might be successful for let's be real, two days. <laughs> but then you're going to default right back to what you consistently do. So you try to make a change. You try mm -hmm. to make too much change. You bounce right back where you are. Then you get demoralized. And you say, fuck it. 
not going to do this yeah. anymore and you stay right you're at that's why we don't advocate doing a whole life overhaul start with something small now the scenario you presented let's say that these two don't have a, let's say a dedicated like out time or hard cutoff time as I like to call it. But let's say that generally speaking, the kids are in bed around like 7.30 and they're, it's now then time. Okay, cool. At 7.30-ish, maybe 7.30 to 8, this is when you're going to start you time. That's it. Start there. Do it repeatedly until you get really, really good at it. And once it becomes second nature, now it's a routine, then it becomes a habit, then make another change. Okay, well, I need to be in bed by about 11 p.m. to get quality sleep, and sometimes it's 12, maybe 1. Okay, cool. Let's aim for 11 to 12. Okay, well, that's doable. All right, cool. Get in bed at 11.45, 11.38, 11.20, 11.15, 11, 11, 11, 11. Okay, well, I can do that now. All right, awesome. Now let's do something else. All right, well, I need to move my meal time up because I know that the late night eating is not helping my sleep. Okay, cool. Well, instead of eating at like 10 o'clock, okay, why don't you eat a little bit earlier about nine, mm-hmm. and then, you know, 8.30 and then, and then eight. And then when you find that sweet spot of what you like, just keep doing it. That, like that's it. it, guys. It just takes time and some patience. And consistency. And consistency. And so... I appreciate that you brought up the level of awareness that's necessary for someone to be able to start to shift their habits, to acknowledge that I realize that food and or alcohol may play a role in the quality of my sleep, which it's not like people don't understand. And for those that say, no, the wine helps me fall asleep. It helps me de-stress. That's certainly not the case. And we can dive into that in a moment because I do want to briefly talk about alcohol, but it's collecting. And this is something I'm huge about in our coaching program, but it's really collecting both objective and subjective data metrics and learning how to be be your own best nutrition detective. And that certainly applies to sleep too, because when you give yourself the opportunity to be consistent, then you can really start to understand what the data is telling you. How did you feel when you went to bed at 11 repeatedly, when you turned the TV off by 10 o'clock, when you, you know, just read a book instead of of watching the show, when you ate earlier, when you don't drink alcohol versus when you do and so on and so forth. And then certainly giving people the opportunity to understand it's just slow, methodical change, structured change that's going to move the needle. So we've kind of approached this evening routine. And I guess what would be your best practices on what that evening routine should look like for most people in your experience? And then I want to go to kind of what the morning routine should look like, because I do know that, and I think a lot of people don't realize that their morning routine influences their sleep patterns. So let's talk evening routine, and then we'll go to morning. So how I describe the perfect evening routine to those who work with me is this is an energy recharge. This is one of two energy recharges that I are I inherently make a non-negotiable for very, 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 very many of my clients. There's only a handful that it's a little bit more of a negotiable, but they're on a whole different level. Needs to recharge you. Specifically on the evening routine side, This is your time to decompress, unwind, de-stress. You are just doing a whole bunch of things for at least eight hours. Your energy is going to be expended. You are serving other people. You're working. This is now your time to give back to yourself. So that's more the subjective. And the components that I require them to do any type of stimulus that will take energy from you, which I just like to label work. Work, chores, anything like that. Now, let's say if you find doing the dishes relaxing and it gives you energy, that's totally different. I'm not that way. I hate the dishes. That's that's a fucking chore. That's a chore. You won't see me doing that at 8 o'clock. But whatever it is, after that, there needs to be some sort of relaxing 
energy giving activity that you do. I don't care how my clients make it. I don't care what they do too much. A lot of them watch TV before going to bed and they still have high sleep quality. Yeah. Pretty much everything that common medicine says, oh, don't do that. Works just great when the context is given. Mm-hmm. Some of them knit. I'm not kidding. Some of them knit. Some of them read. Some of them play with their kids, go walk the dog, or they just zone out. And the last part is they do have a consistent bedtime. They will be in bed by blank clock or blank time range, depending on where they're at. So those are the three components I have each of my clients use inside of their evening routine. How they go about creating it is subjectively up to them. This is where they get to trial and error things, figure out what works, what doesn't Mm. work so much in certain circumstances. And the reward is now they have control. And that's ultimately what people want. They want to feel back in control. Love it. Control is given. No, it's great. It gives them opportunity. I mean, I suppose it's very similar to how we would structure someone's nutrition, someone's exercises. Everyone's going to respond different to a certain set of stimuli, right? And so it's really about the opportunity to figure out what does work best for them, given all of the variables at play, because all of us have so many different challenges, so to speak. So, okay, I, I, I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. So let's, I guess, fast forward to we get a good night's sleep or we're not getting a good night's sleep, but invariably we wake up in the morning and how can we be waking up and what can that morning routine look like as a means to help initiate sleep later on in the evening? Sure. So the morning routine for my clients is the other energy giving part of their day. Their whole morning routine is designed to increase their energy maximize it and set them up for a successful day. That success is clearly up to them, whatever they define as success for them. The components that I have them include inside of that morning routine is first and the most basic, a consistent wake up time. Very underrated. Your body genetically has a preference to when it wants to go to sleep and when it wants to wake up. Respect it. I won't dive into that just yet because that's a whole different cool can of worms right there. But if you're a morning person and you find yourself waking up at like six, you know, maybe five o'clock, maybe seven, be consistent with it. Remember, your body sinks to what it does consistently and it will perform at a higher level when you're consistently following, basically Mm -hmm. being consistent. There's no other way to really say that and sound smart. After that, I want them to start their day with them first. Very similar to the evening routine. You get to choose how you start your day. For people like Ben and myself, that cup of coffee is definitely us time. For others, it might be getting outside and walking. For others, it might be journaling and making sure that they have their day set up so that stress is limited and reduced and control on their end for others. It might be cooking a nice breakfast for their family. It doesn't necessarily matter what it is, but give yourself about 30 minutes to an hour to wind up. Most people need to wind up. Very few people just jump out of bed, say, yay, I'm ready to go. Totally. That's not realistic. Even, even for us, it's not realistic. Give yourself time to wind up. And outside of that, for those who are coming to me who are looking to improve their sleep or fix some sleep problems, I highly, 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 highly recommend getting into the sunlight. Most Americans don't get enough light, which affects vitamin D levels, which is it it definitely affects how well or poor you sleep. Move. Get moving. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Very little will increase your energy levels like a little movement. You can do a full workout. I love working out in the morning. It's my preference. It can also be just, hey, just go take your coffee and go walk around the block. Right. Get it out. Get the sunlight and the activity out all at the same time. Yeah, man. Those are the things that I have them put inside of their morning routine. And whatever they can do consistently, I want them to do it. If it's not able to be done consistently, I don't want to do it. 
Well, and that's part of building new habits. It's like, hey, can you, you know, wake up consistently and then can you get outside for a walk around the block? Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes and roll with it to eventually where it's like, okay, can you get in a 30 minute walk? I've noticed considerable change, not only with myself and stress management and anxiety and quality of sleep, actually, one by getting enough movement throughout the day, which certainly starts with that first, you know, just when we get up. And so I'll get up and I'll basically get up, put my shoes on, you know, drink a big glass of water and I'm out the door and I'll do a 30 to 40 minute walk and then come home. And then it's a little more water, coffee, kids, breakfast, you know, with the, depending on kind of what time that is, mm-hmm. uh, I'm usually a pretty early riser. And so uh, oftentimes I'm up and moved and coffee and gotten a work, you know, an hour or two of work in before anyone else is awake. Uh, but I think it's super powerful. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. And also just the aspect of what we know with getting sunlight into the eyes right? Because it sets the stage for those circadian rhythms. And it, from a more scientific standpoint, I believe it, it really kind of sets like your body's melatonin production through the, that sunlight in the morning kind of sets the stage for melatonin production later in the day, right? It does. There are three main control stimuli. They're called zeitgebers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate that word because I can't ever say it. It's German. <laughs> I'm half German, so even I hate saying that. There are three massive stimuli that control your circadian rhythm, which is your sleep-wake cycle. Light, physical activity, food intake. Yep. Funny how all of those are tied to overall health and well-being. Funny. So this is really powerful, and I think useful for people. We understand the, the importance of consistency and structure and habit and sleep routine in terms of getting a good night's sleep, getting enough sleep, getting enough quality of sleep, how sleep is tied in, how our morning movement and light exposure, and then same thing with our evening exposure is tied into our circadian rhythms. Uh, maybe you could help us understand just uh, briefly about the role of sleep when it comes to fat loss blood sugar management, because oftentimes, and I'm sure you're very familiar with this, but we'll be working with clients and they'll be doing everything right, right? They're, they're kicking their own ass in the gym, they're training hard and they're eating quote unquote clean and they're, they're following their calorie or macronutrient ratios, but invariably we're not seeing uh, you know, the results that we should see. And oftentimes we see that, okay, sleep's the elephant in the room. So what's going on here? So to preface this, and I'm not going to go 30,000 feet over your guys' heads with the literature. Woo! You Google that stuff on. Yeah, it's deep. Oh man, you're, you're going to, you're going to have a headache after reading one, uh, one scholarly article on that. But anyways, so your circadian cycle influences if not directly controls every aspect that goes on inside of your body every single one here's how it works there is a clock system that is inside of your body and the main control center for your clock system is in your head it's a little organ called your suprachiasmic nucleus say that three times fast this small small little speck in your brain is responsible for perceiving light. That's it. And based off of the amount of stimulation from light it gets, it will tell your body to do a series of actions. Typically, when it has sufficient sunlight stimulation, it's going to tell your body to go into, quote, activity mode, which is everything that goes on inside of you when you're awake. When that sunlight fades and it gets to a level where it's not stimulated as much, it will switch those processes over to rest and recovery. Everything done. Mm-hmm. When it comes to weight management, fat loss, achieving high levels of health, there are a few things that sleep really plays a huge emphasis on. Well, one is your cortisol levels. That's huge. So if your sleep is 
just fine. You've waking up feeling great. Your cortisol levels are going to be in control and it's going to cycle invertedly with melatonin as it should. But let's say your sleep's all wonky. Your cortisol levels are probably going to stay higher longer. And that's going to affect other hormones like insulin, T3, T4, mm-hmm. those are your thyroid hormones, any type of pancreas activity, liver activity, mm-hmm. just based off of cortisol elevation alone. Blood sugar, that's a huge one, especially in today's society where everybody seems to have some sort of blood sugar dysregulation. Right. Coinciding with cortisol, if your sleep quality is high, your blood sugar levels will more than likely this is where it becomes more variable, remain balanced all day long. And this is where insulin comes into play too. Your insulin levels will correspond with blood sugar and they will be more sensitive and working a lot more optimally. When sleep quality is not high, remember cortisol, your stress hormone, your body is going to go into a stress mode and your insulin levels are not going to respond as effectively. Your blood sugar is going to be higher just because you're in a stress state. Is that bad? No. It's actually not. We're designed that way. The problem is when you live this way for weeks, for months, for years, for decades, this is where a lot of the health issues that are found in America and a lot of the westernized nations are coming into play. Right. Simply because sleep quality is poor. Yep. So if you're not sleeping, you're going to be more likely to have blood sugar and hormonal dysregulation which invariably when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to weight loss, your body's just not going to be able to function the way that it should. So you are going to have a harder time uh, metabolizing your carbohydrates, managing your insulin levels, producing energy, regulating thyroid function, having a harder time managing your cravings, your hunger, your mood, your libido, your digestion, your cognitive function, and so on and so forth. And so that's where... It's like, sometimes we want to shake you as, as a client and say, and help you understand because it's so hard to make that direct correlation because sleep something we just do every night, every night. And it's so easy to get into these routines, but understanding that if your goals actually are to lose fat, gain muscle, have more energy, have a better libido, live longer. The elephant in the room invariably is your sleep quantity and quality. And thereby, when you can take control of these things, it's going to improve and permeate over into everything else. You're going to do better with the food you eat. You are going to have less cravings and have better energy, so on and so forth. It's just seemingly in this day and age with social pressure and kind of stigma, it's so seemingly difficult to shut it down at 830, which makes perfect sense. But the reality is, you know what, sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, that you hit the nail on the head right there. A lot of people's problems with sleep is that dichotomy between how their biology works and their social life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people experience this on the Friday night bar hops. Yep. When you break that cycle in small occurrences, like if, you, if it happens every so often, because guess what, guys, you can have your morning and evening routines on point. Your sleep quality can be high. I mean, guess what? There's going to be nights where you have poor sleep. I just had one. I had a sick dog at two in the morning. Been up ever since. Nothing I could really do about it. Mm-hmm. But that being said, a lot of people are the masters of their own demise. It's that weekend hopping. Okay, let's say your bedtime is usually about 8, 9 p.m. Well, Friday hits. What do you do? It's time mm-hmm. to go to the bar. It's what, it's what people do. So then you're up till, what, midnight? And you've had a lot of alcohol, which is a known sleep disruptor. And guess what? You don't just have alcohol. You have to have bar food with it as well. <laughs> totally. Which that food, high in calories, which going into more of like 
chronotypes and stuff like that and nutrition and how that works with your sleep cycle. If you put a large amount of food in your body after it's dark out, it's going to send the stimulus to your brain to, oh, we're not, we're not done with our activity process yet. We're going to turn off recovery and we're going to switch back to activity. Yeah. This is the shit that keeps people up at night. Yep. And then you have a poor night's sleep. You wake up feeling like crap the next day. What do you do? Coffee. Lots of it. Caffeine. I know Ben's told you all this. Caffeine keeps your cortisol levels higher, longer. Mm-hmm. So if your cortisol levels are higher or longer, they're not going to drop. That's going to keep you up at night. So now mm-hmm. it's two nights of bad sleep. And then two becomes three, three becomes four, four becomes a month, a month becomes a year. See how slippery of a slope that is? Or And, and months become medication. Month. And, That's you know, medication just it. masks, you know, sleep quality altogether. And, and so it's easy to get wrapped up in this vicious cycle. And so what I want to do is I want to respect your time. I want to respect our listeners' time. Uh, what I'd like to do is probably have you come back around two where we can kind of dig into some more of the details. But before I let you go, maybe is there like one other thing that you think is really relevant kind of based on what we've discussed that you'd be willing to share? Meal timing matters. It definitely matters. Now, there's a lot of debate between does meal timing matter or it doesn't. It really depends on your foundations. If you have a very healthy, active lifestyle, the chances that your meal times are synced to how your biology works are very, very high. For example, Ben, do you usually eat heavy meals late at night? Definitely not. Yeah. Cool. Do you usually skip breakfast and go straight to like lunch, which is around, let's say like 12, one o'clock? No, not usually. No. Not for me. Okay. Meal timing definitely matters. People who are healthy they're active, they're at the weight loss goal that you may have in mind, take a look at how they're timing their meals. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily matter to the point of, oh, do you need to eat breakfast like immediately after going, after going to bed, after waking up? No. Right. Ben's own routine sets his breakfast at least an hour after he wakes up, if not more, right. but he's consistent with it. He's consistent with that timing. He knows when his first meal is going to be. He knows when his second meal is going to be. His third or maybe his fourth. Do you eat three or four meals a day? Yeah, usually three in a shake. Three in a shake. And he's more or less 99% of the time consistent with it. His body sinks to that. He's given his body the space and the environment to operate at a high level. And two of the things that nutritionally royally screw up people's sleep is skipping their first meal. Some people call it breakfast. We'll call it breakfast, skipping their breakfast and pushing their last meal too close to their bedtime. Mm-hmm. I know, Ben, you've seen this happen. Somebody is a chronic time of skip breakfast and they backload their calories later in the day. And well, Nick, that's called intermittent fasting, bro. Your body does a really good job with intermittent fasting as long as your sleep quality is high. And I do get this question quite a bit. Intermittent fasting works and it doesn't work. It really depends on the context. Totally. And it, and it ultimately is going to depend on your foundation and how you're using it. Absolutely. Some people, they may delay their first meal. Instead of, let's say it's eight, maybe it's 10. That's just their preference, but they're consistent with it. They're giving their body the nutrients it needs for the day, regardless of the fasting protocol. What a lot of people make a mistake on is they fast. That has a cascading hormone effect because a lot of people buy off more than they can chew. And they have lots of cravings. They eat more than what they want because their window's small. It's a free-for-all. We've seen it all. And it's okay. Yep. If you, and maybe you've done that before. Like, I'll raise my hand. I've, I've done it before. I've done, mm-hmm. That's how I know what not to do. Totally. Me too. But be consistent with your meal timing. Yeah, it's great. And, and one of the big things I think is, is making sure just of all things, just making sure you're not eating a huge meal right before you go to bed, like you said. No. And if you're going to eat a huge meal, let's say, okay, what? Friday night bar, bar fun is going to happen. It doesn't mean your sleep quality has to suffer with it. Just plan for it. Just plan for it. 
if you know you're going to have like alcohol and food closer to your bedtime, but you know, you're going to be up past your bedtime, just make sure your body has enough time with about two hours to go ahead and process mm-hmm. all of what you put into it, because it's not going to shift its activity to recovery. If it's still doing things inside of you that are activity based, and it usually takes about two hours to push that all through you. Yeah. So play around with Yes. Uh, what you're consuming, the amount of what you're consuming, and, and obviously observing your sleep patterns to determine what truly does work best for you. Nick, amazing dude. So much valuable information. Nick, where can people find out more about you? Where can they get their hands on your book? So I'm really easy to find. Search me on Facebook and Instagram at Nick Real. That's R-I-E-L-L. Yep. My pretty face will pop up. There's only one of it. And we'll have the link in the show notes as well. (laughs) And where you can access my book. I have a private group where I dive into topics just like this one. It's called Sleep Secrets. Beautiful. Google it or go into Facebook. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. Sleep Secrets. It's a free free group, right? Free group. Come in, be a part of the party. My ebook is in there, plus a whole bunch of other valuable content that is yours, no strings attached. All right. That's awesome. And that's the seven best kept secrets for sleep is the name of your ebook. Sleep secrets, seven best kept secrets. Nick, dude, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, for sharing so much uh, valuable information. And hopefully it's been helpful for all of our listeners. Guys, thank you for taking the time to tune in. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor and leave a positive rating and review in iTunes. And uh, we will catch you next week in another episode. Take care. Have a great night. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, Leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple.